0: Welcome to the Spike Feed, your leading Magic the Gathering podcast. What is happening? My name is Curtis, and man, we've got another show just busting at the seams with things to talk about. On the line with me is my good buddy, Dustin. How are you, sir? Uh, I am back from a long, long drive. You uh, were at GP Chicago this weekend, which we're going to talk about Mm -hmm, in a second, mm -hmm. but we also have to introduce a man that's actually more tired than you are, Cameron. Cameron, how are you, sir? it's a true story good man how about you oh dude i i am just so excited to have uh so many things to talk about on this show it's just like crazy we always think like we we finish a show and we're like man there's no way next week is going to be as full and then how do we top it yeah right i mean worse better i guess it depends on your perspective better right better yeah well everybody on twitter wants us to do an hour-long show and i keep fighting that so we'll see how (laughs) close we get today um you know dustin's got things to do he's got places to be um so anyway Dustin, you you are extremely important and let's let's talk about that i mean let's talk about gp (laughs) chicago to start out with (laughs) so gp chicago
1: i guess was uh close to 2100 people playing which is uh, a pretty big deal um mono black was the uh well five of the top decks and the big winner there was mm-hmm. also one mono-blue deck, and then there was two, uh, like, blue-white control decks. So, monsters do nothing. Yay,
0: standard. So cool.
1: <laughs> the the thing that I find funny is they were talking about uh, Star City Vegas was running the same weekend, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they said twice as many people watched Star City Vegas on Twitch than they did Grand Prix Chicago, right? Well, Weird. Star City Vegas only had, like, 400 and some odd people there, so I'm thinking everybody in Chicago was watching it, right? <laughs> Wouldn't that make the most sense? You're not going to watch yeah. Chicago if you're in Chicago.
0: I don't know. Yeah, dude, pretty funny. I mean, Cameron and I could definitely get into the very very specific reasons why the Star City Games uh stream is better than the GP streams.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They've taken strides. Yeah. Y-
0: yeah, yeah. They're just it's a better product right now, but you know, I don't think anybody wants to hear us go down that road again. So, continue. <laughs> so, um we got in a little bit late, so I wasn't able to get any trades or anything done
1: on Friday, uh, which is too bad because a lot of people told me that trades were pretty good on Friday. Uh, did, tr- did you have issues with like BMW windows or anything like that? No, nothing like that this time. No, Everything thank, it, thank was goodness. kosher, okay. so we're good. Okay. Um, well, basically, Saturday and Sunday, trades were kind of just so-so, really, and- I've been seeing this trend a lot lately. It's just, it's changing, man. I, I don't know if it's just Friday's the day to go because everybody's getting settled and, um, you know, they're getting registered and picking up their stuff and then they're there practicing and so on. They're just more laid back so they have time to trade because during Saturday, the majority of the people in the room are just playing, right? I mean, you know, side events, this, that, everything. There's few people trading. That was kind of odd, and then just the um, the type of trading that's been going on is weird because a lot of standard stuff, and I've said this before, it seems like it's flooded out there, and a lot of people don't want standard stuff because they already have it, right? Mm-hmm. And then modern stuff has gone up way high, and you can't trade your standard stuff into modern stuff because nobody wants the standard stuff, right? Right. So that's kind of a problem. Jeez. And then modern stuff doesn't trade the way it used to. You can't take a, a you know $100 legacy card and get five pieces of your modern deck anymore. You get like two or three, right? Right. So it's just totally different. And then I've been seeing, um, I guess, what you would call power traders. These people that plop down binders and it's loaded up with power nine, dual lands, and everything else under the sun that's like a $300 card, right? And mm-hmm. we're talking droves of this stuff. And... Basically, they'll throw it down and they want to trade with you and they'll dig through your binder and they're looking for more of this stuff you know, because they're always trying to get more and more value. And if you have none of it, they just kind of walk off, right? Or they pick out the one card and you can't find anything that's even close in value because all this stuff's worth so much. <laughs> so right. it's, it's just really annoying, but I understand they're trying to make money and what they're trying to do.
0: So basically what you're saying to boil it down is that there's no mid-level traders like you are there.
1: Yeah, and like I said, it, it seems to just be changing across the board. I mean, there's still demand for you know certain mythics and certain lands and stuff in standard, but it's nowhere near the diversity of cards that people used to look for.
0: Right, right. Yeah. And I would argue that the the increased demand for modern and legacy cards has right. created this incredibly large gap, right? And it right. used to be that people would not trade standard cards for Tarmogoyf and dual lands, that was it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I traded into a bunch of my wastelands with standard cards. Right. right. Now, I don't think you're going to see many people be willing to do that. Um, a lot of times they want modern <laughs> legacy is in one binder they're, That's where they're willing to move cards for. And standard cards are just another thing. And I think that's also kind of a situation with standard right now. Right. <laughs> that might change in the future. Right. Uh, you know, what also might help your situation, Dustin, is just them pulling the trigger on Modern Masters too, which would yeah. put more modern into the market and have more people, right. you know, be willing to trade and move that stuff like we saw, you know, eight months ago.
1: Right. And that'll, that'll help a lot, especially when trading other modern and legacy staples. I don't know if that'll help the, the standard lull that we're having. Because again, I, th- I think Correct. standards just overprint it right now. It just, everybody has four copies of everything
2: yeah and you're i mean you're seeing like it seems like hit and miss here in the midwest are you seeing the same thing though when you're traveling abroad in japan are i mean are those cards just a little bit more sought after even if
1: they are standard cards um not so much again standard cards unless it's lands or mythics are really not as in demand um i found when i go overseas it's typically harder for me to get rid of foils as well Mm -hmm. um but also, the, when I go trading specifically overseas, I go into it with a different mindset, right? You know, I take legacy stuff on purpose to trade into, you know, the cheaper modern and standard stuff that I can get in foreign languages or their foreign foils. Um, so, I have a whole different goal when I go that way.
0: Okay. Hmm. Hmm. So, overall, GP Chicago, let, let's put it on the on one side. It's like... Uh, you know, the most successful trading you've ever done, like one of your uh, Japan GPs. <laughs> and on the other end is a is an event in Minnesota. You know, right. where did it fall? Somewhere <laughs> in the middle? Um,
1: it was just somewhere like in the middle, slightly below average. I mean, there's still stuff to be had. Um, I still feel bad for a lot of people because I see other people trading. And you don't want to be the guy at the table that jumps in, in somebody else's trade and say, hey, man, you know what that's worth? Or do you know you're being taken or something like that? Um because it's just rude for one and I don't know, it's just bad etiquette, right? Sure. Um So I see this one guy and he digs through a guy's binder and says, Oh, I want your promo batter skull, right? And these things on Star City are like maybe twenty, twenty five bucks trade, right? Mm-hmm. And um the guy pulls out a single death right shaman and he said, Well, would you trade this? The guy said, Yeah. And he's like, <laughs> Is that all you want? And he said, Yeah, that'll be fine, just straight across, right? So stuff like that, you know, I mean, yes, it's their choice and so on, but I just, I'm cringing, right? It's
0: like, dude, you just lost $15 value, right? Well, I think there's there's a statute of limitations in terms of age, right? Like if, if they are underneath, what, 15, you have to say something. Right. 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 Like, well, and th- yeah. this this was not the case this time, right? So then he's a fool and his money is parted from him, right? I like guess. whatever.
1: The other thing that I keep seeing, and this is becoming... Um, you know, more and more common as well is, um, I, I guess you'd call them shop traders, right? And they they sit down with people and they tell them straight up, which it's good they're being honest about it. But they say, "I'm trading on a margin here, right?" And mm-hmm. they want to basically trade their stuff out at full value and get your stuff at a lower value and constantly be trading up. Right. Um, now, again, like I said, it's good that they're being upfront with people, but. I've seen so many people walk away from them, but obviously they're, you know, making money because some people do accept the terms and whatever. But, uh, some of the margins are weird. I mean, I've, I've seen some people like bulk out to someone's entire binder at, you know, like what buy price would be for cash. And then they mm-hmm. trade them stuff at full price, which is just crazy to me. And then, um, like this guy, he had a, uh, a Ravnica block, dark confidant, right? Mm-hmm. and the guy told him the whole about the margin, this and that, and he wanted him to trade him as Dark Confidant at 75 instead of the you know Star City 100, right? Mm-hmm. Which I thought was just weird, and the guy walked away from that one, so I was proud of him, right? <laughs> but <laughs> it, it's, just, it's just odd to me that there is so many people out there that are willing to do this, right? That are willing to take such lower values on their cards when there's so many people that'll trade you straight across. It's Why like, do I
0: feel like this is a veiled criticism on my Vendillion Click trade from the other day? Like <laughs> that's I true. still yes, uh, <laughs> I'm not saying that at all. I'm not saying that at all. <laughs> well, hey, I want to I want to throw it over to Cameron because Cameron, you actually played this week a little bit too, right? Yeah,
2: I I went to it was Monday Night Casual Magic, which the shop has, so you don't have to buy in or anything. You just go there and you can play test. Um, mm-hmm. And I play t- play tested my, my Naya midrange, because that's really where I'm putting all of my effort in. And uh, what I've kind of come to the conclusion, as much as I like the deck and I think it's fun, there is... I just don't feel like it's good enough. Especially since we've seemed to come full circle these past two weeks with Mono Blue coming back, Mono Black staying around, Mono Red. I mean, it's just like the Mono is still a big thing, <laughs> or it's mm-hmm. Jun Monsters. Um, I don't know. I just, I just, I worry that I've, I'm investing all this this time and effort into building this deck, and it's just it's not good enough.
0: It may is not is be it not coming enough. together when you play with it? That's the real question.
2: It, it, it does here and there. Mm-hmm. I, I feel like it's like a hit-and-miss deck, where sometimes, you know, if I'm not getting my Sylvan Carroted or an Elvish Mystic on turn one or two, I feel like the deck falls flat on its face. So, mm-hmm. I don't know. That's kind of where I'm at. So, I mean, I really like the deck. I'm just really struggling with it. I'll put my, uh, my list up online, so people can look at it and maybe give me some pointers or suggestions oh you will, give
0: feedback. You will yeah, give feedback you'll get feedback um well to piggyback off that um <clears throat> so last week i had kind of a rough outing at f&m and so i went out this time playing blue white control right mm-hmm. he's back i, I lost oh, to aggro three straight or no two times and i played against it three times in a row and i was like I'm going to tilt my deck, my blue-white deck, so far in this direction. I think I played two or three syncopates, two or three last breaths. You know, like, (laughs) really getting that aggro, right? Okay, yeah. I went 0-2 drop. Every single game I lost, I lost to Aetherling. That's right. (laughs) It's understandable. (laughs) I played the blue-white mirror, and this guy had main decked Aetherling where I had not. Right. Mm-hmm. So game one was like auto to him. It went yeah. forever long. And he did this annoying thing where, uh, so I had Jace and Elspeth out, but I was at eight, right. Or eight or nine. And right. so instead of attacking and killing me, he, you know, one at a time, my planeswalkers <laughs> before killing me. Uh, right. And so of course I have to point out to him after we finished the match because he ended up winning one game and that was the match. Wow. Right? Wow. Jeez. And I was like, dude, you know, why did you do that? Why didn't you just kill me? He's like, you know, you're probably right. And I'm like, great. This is so much fun. And <laughs> then I play against a, a green-blue base ramp deck, which was a really interesting brew. But again, it just took forever. And I, the guy sighted in four Aetherlings post-board, right? <laughs> which, if you're playing blue-eye, th- con- blue-eye control, is a nightmare, yeah. right? Yeah. So, uh, then again, I pulled my, my same strategy from last week. You know, I, I said, Hey, has anybody got a legacy deck? Somebody had blue, white, red Delver. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. um, I had my Maverick deck, which I've been t- testing a lot and we played just a ton of matches, you know, and it was a really, really, really good time. Um, I do want to just, before I jump into the legacy talk, I want to mention this about standard. So I kind of feel like I've lost my footing in the format. You know, I had this really great record for a long time in standard and these last two weeks, I've not been doing well, mm-hmm. and I don't know how much of it is me choosing the wrong deck, um, or how much of it is just the meta shifted in such a way that you know I've not been following it correctly, right? Or is and it not the been fact that you building. keep getting teamed up with people where you can't play all your games in one match? <laughs> Fair enough. Fair sure. enough. Well, yeah. The, the other big problem is, dude. Like, and we haven't really talked about it, but Mono Red has won the last three Standard Opens mm-hmm yeah and last week mono red won standard or i should say yesterday in the legacy open right yeah that's right yeah the burn and guy. what standard mm-hmm. card is shared between both decks what do you think it is cameron you're the burn uh, master. it's, it's not Seder cheese- fire dancers spoiler. no no
2: <laughs> cheese hand right
0: uh um seriously man no no, no i don't it know it is not Idle on
2: yeah. Eidolon of Countless the, Battles, oh yeah, sure.
0: No, 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 the red on oh, whatever that one on. is.
1: sorry, yeah, I know what you mean though.
0: Eidolon of Obnoxious Burn, that's what it is. <laughs>
1: right, so the thing with that too is I was looking at his price and he's out of stock at $5 Star City and his foil is out of stock at 25 So it's already made a huge wow. move.
0: Yeah, and, and I want to just talk about the players at my shop. So at that point when I was playing, it, Mono Red had won two weeks in a row. Right. Like this last Friday hadn't occurred yet or Saturday. And you would think that uh, Jesus of Nazareth had come back to town. Like they were just <laughs> so excited that Red was the best deck and standard right now. And guys, a few things. Okay, I know I'm on the record about my dislike for mono-red decks and strategies, but you mm-hmm. do not want to live in a world where mono-red is the best deck and Standard. <laughs> you do not want to live in a world where that is a mirror that you play three, four times in a tournament. Awkward. Uh, so. It is awkward <laughs> and awful. And I, I think we might be <laughs> slowly headed towards a point where we look at this Eidolon and think that maybe it was a mistake. Because what's happening is it's making what are traditionally bad matchups for mono red Mm -hmm. really good. Right. So for example, green red aggro, and it used to be, if you played mono white, like you just ate mono reds breakfast, like they could not do a single thing about it. And now if they have that Eidolon before you get going, you're going to take a lot of damage, right? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's conceivable that Eidolon represents 10, 12 damage over the course of a, you know, game. Um, I so, find it
1: odd that the mono red deck's doing so well, but did not make the top 10 in Chicago.
0: Yeah, you know, and honestly, the mono black deck can kind of play a game with mono red. I, I don't know that it's necessarily good or bad matchup. I haven't tested it. Mm-hmm. But obviously, if you get too late game, Gray Merchant actually matters quite a bit then, right? Right. Um, but anyway, that's, that's neither here nor there. I'm going to keep playing monsters now. My blue-white experiment is over. Um, good. Right. Right. But anyway, I got invited on Sunday to a quote legacy jam. I got to give a shout out to our friend Rob. Rob is kind of like the patron saint of eternal formats in our area. And he proxied up, I want to say 15 legacy decks and just invited people to come grab a deck and just play. Mm
2: -hmm. That is Mm -hmm. awesome.
0: Right. And, And so I texted him back and I said, can I show up with Maverick and just run it into other decks? He said, sure. So I did that, and I'm tuning my list. You mm-hmm. guys will be happy to know that, yes, for multiple matches, I did, in fact, play Show and Tell. <laughs> it was yeah. awful. Yeah, I
2: bet. It was awful.
0: <laughs> right? I It's replaced Merfolk as my least favorite deck. Hmm. Wow. Yeah, that's right. That's right. That's pretty crazy. Uh, anyway, so we are we are running way long, so I'm going to cut this off. We'll come back. We're going to talk some spoilers and... Some modern. All right, guys. So this week we have a few more M15 spoilers to talk about. Uh, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, we we are kind of in the midst of spoiler. Like you know, the last few core sets, the spoiler season has been really long because of Duel the Planeswalkers and these other things. So uh, we're just getting. I'll call it a trickle of information. as time has gone by. It's also a really interesting new game. I don't know if you guys have played this, to try and find the information on the new DailyMTG.com. They, no, I uh, have no idea what you're talking about. Okay, well, never mind. It's um, it's interesting. We'll just say that. So, Cameron, I'm going to throw it to you to start out with uh, with um, our first card, Obnixilus. So, do it up. Yeah, we got Obnixilis, Unshackled.
2: I don't know if this is a... Is this a new, new card? Like, Brand never new. before... Okay, so yeah, it is a black card. It costs four and a black black. It's a legendary creature and a demon, and it has a power and toughness of four, four. Mm-hmm. Flying, trample, whenever opponent an opponent searches his or her library, that player sacrifices a creature and loses 10 life. Whenever another creature dies, put a plus one, plus one counter on Obnixilus <laughs> Unshackled. Okay. Um, so this one is interesting to me only for the fact that it has this this little text on whenever opponent an opponent searches his or her library. And it really, really makes me hopeful for Onslaught fetches. Guys, is it a possibility in N15?
1: <laughs> there, there's rumors floating around, yes. Yeah, swirling. Uh,
0: I still think it probably points to the fetches being in the actual upcoming set, not... Uh, okay, cons okay. of Tarkir. Right. Okay. Not uh, the core set. Um, but, you know, I don't know. Omnixilis, uh before, where apparently he was shackled before. I didn't know that was a thing. <laughs> now you know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but he was in Zendikar before, right? right? So, you know, in terms of flavor, maybe that's a thing. Uh, let's just live in a world where there is no fetch lands. Right. Talk about this in the context of current standard. There is how some, many things search your library?
1: There, there's some here and there, but I don't think they're really used, right? Yeah. Yeah.
0: I don't really think so at all. And, you know, some people are living in, you know, Candyland where they're going to play this in Modern. Right. Uh, unless there's a birthing pot in your deck, I don't know how you're going to get to turn six in right. Modern to play yeah. this guy comfortably. So, um, speaking of, of
1: fetch lands and M15, if they're not in M15... This set sucks. I mean, so far there's just no value in M15.
0: It just looks really bad. Okay, well, dude, I think uh, you know all the Goblin fans are a little hurt by your uh, value. Whenever you okay, know, set clearly has Goblin Kaboomist. Right, so. right. That, that's uh, no. Moving on. All right. So yeah, moving on. Dustin in Garrick's wake. What do you got there? All right. All right. So,
1: Ingroruk's Wake. It's uh, uh, two black and seven colorless. It's a sorcery, and it has destroy all creatures you don't control and destroy all planeswalkers you don't control.
0: And, all right. So, what do you think of it, man?
1: <laughs> uh, well, one, I think it's just like stupid to have it right now, right? Because we have Nykthos, we have Mono Black Devotion, we we have ways to just plop this thing down at any time, right? Mm-hmm. It's well, just... that
2: deck is a little underpowered. Let's be honest, oh, right? <laughs> so, <I> mean... <laughs> right.
1: But um, I I don't mind it as a card. I mean, it reminds me of like Plague Win stuff like that. It's happened before, right? Mm-hmm. I just think that it's really bad timing, and it will devastate
0: in in standard. Like right out the gate, right? Well, I mean, if you if they resolve it on you, you're going to feel pretty devastated. I, I think that's exactly. fair. Cameron, what do you think of it, man?
2: Yeah, he seems what Dustin said with Nickthos, just kind of gross, and I don't know if he's really necessary. Um, you know, but add more feel to the Black Fire, I guess. I don't care. <laughs> well, okay. <laughs>
0: Keep in mind, and and not to not to be the naysayer, because I do think this is a good card and potentially we'll see play as a one or two of in mm-hmm. either mono black or like a, a control deck of some sort. Um underworld connections is not going to be a next standard, which does matter a lot. Right. It really cuts the rug out from under but a lot of that deck. You're also getting uh, that, Sign
1: in Blood back, which is playable.
0: Right. But again doesn't count towards your devotion. Right. And the mono black deck that was floating around Theros block was much more aggro-y, like okay. Herald of Torment, this kind of thing. So you weren't Sure. You know, going to this late game, but that doesn't mean that that doesn't mean that this card isn't good enough. It certainly is. It's also conceivable if standard gets slow enough, and we have seen standards that are this slow, that you know, you play this in a control deck as a one of and actually just wait around, stall the game till you get to right. this card. Right. Um and and actually cast it. Now I will say this, it is a sick card in terms of flavor, and I love the artwork, right? It is good. Like, oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's going to be, just like uh, Army of the Damned, a casual, you know, staple. Right. Well, I'm, I'm definitely thinking it'll be
1: used more before rotation. After rotation has yet to be seen.
0: Right on. Right on. Uh, so, my card, Dustin's favorite card, um, <laughs> is aggressive mining. It's three colorless and a red, and this card is weird, okay? Um, it's designed by, uh, the guy, the guy that designed Minecraft notch. Um, and here's what it says. So it's three and a red for an enchantment. It says you can't play lands, sacrifice the land, draw two cards, activate this mm-hmm. ability only once each turn. Now, first of all, kudos. It takes somebody that works outside of wizards of the coast to say, Hey, maybe we can make a red card that isn't just a burn spell. Maybe we can make that <laughs> color do something else. That would be cool. Right. And I do like that it kind of reference, references kind of old magic where Red did a lot with lands. Mm-hmm. You know, kind of the forgotten thing about Red is it used to be the color of land destruction. Um, I oh, guess yeah. it still yeah. is, but all those spells are like six mana or something crazy, right? Right. Um, and, you know, and like Land's Edge and all those kinds of cards. Like, it, it's a cool callback, and there is a chance that there is a, like a really fringe combo deck with this card, right? Because it is a unique ability. Uh, so I like it in terms of its coolness and uniqueness, not standard playable, likely.
1: All right. All right. Curtis, um, is, is it going to happen? Is it going to be like people wasteland, like plop down their wastelands and then they plop down a bizarre trader and force you to have this enchantment and then kill all
0: your lands? Sure. Never. Or, there, right? <laughs> or you could just play with lands edge, right? Draw your deck. Oh, you can only do it once per turn. Dang it right so much right, for that. like land's edge combo that would be sweet now uh, anyway w- one more thing with this card i do find it like neat. two people in our listening audience know what <laughs> card i'm
1: talking about but anyway go ahead i do find it neat you said this guy was the minecraft guy right mm-hmm. and the art on it is very you know everything's super square yeah that's kind of mm-hmm. nifty
0: yeah, and like I said, this this could be a card. Like four years down the line, there's some like random modern combo deck that works with this card, and then suddenly they go from fifty cents to ten dollars. Right?
1: Well, they're already That's... out of stock on Star City, so somebody has something planned. Ugh. Anyway, Cameron, your next card. So
2: we have a Soul of New Phyrexia. It's an artifact creature avatar, and it has a casting cost of six colorless mana. And it costs, it has a six, six power and toughness trample pay five permanence. You control gain indestructible until until end of turn. And then it also has pay five exiled soul of new Frexia from your graveyard permanence. You control gain indestructible until end of turn. Uh, I kind of wrote this off at first, but then we went back and just talked about it a little bit and it does seem like something that could be standard playable. Like, like, It really has that potential with the, you know, indestructible thing, Mm -hmm. and and maybe some sort of graveyard. Put this into the the graveyard, so you don't have to pay the six or whatever. I don't know. There just there feels like there's something there that it's worth discussing.
0: Right, right, Dustin. What do you think of this thing? Because you seem rather (laughs) negative. I don't know. I mean. He's just kind of
1: plain to me being six for a six, six, whatever. He's got trample, blah, 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 a uh, million ways to get rid of artifacts, so on and so on. The only redeeming point I really see is the fact that you could do it from the graveyard that would make certain opponents forget that it's in your graveyard. You know, they try to wrath you as something you can survive. Yeah. Um, but for his ability to be, you know, incredible on the battlefield It's just, you know, the first turn, you obviously have to have 11 mana if you're hoping to survive something. And then Mm -hmm. to have a lockdown, you have to have 10 mana to do it. my turn, your turn, back and forth, right? It's just, I don't know. It seems like you're stretching it. And are you always going to leave five mana open just in case? That's a lot.
0: Okay, well, a few things to think about. So, first of all, it could be a sideboard card, and I'm just spitballing Mm -hmm. here, a sideboard card that you bring in if you're playing green-red monsters against a control deck, right? Because it would give you some sort of wrath protection. Um, it's also like, and again, we're living in a land where you have just a ton of mana. If there is an artifact centric, like ramp deck, mm-hmm. right? You could make your guys indestructible. And then if they try and blow something up, that's a combo piece or whatever, you could sack him, get him in the graveyard and spend another five to make it indestructible again in response, right? Yeah. Yeah. Again, this is all Candyland, but the Wish card seems it. <laughs> Yeah, it seems to have some weird like applications. You know, there is a legacy, you know, ramp artifact deck. So maybe that sees a play coming out of the side. I don't think it's main deckable. Right. Um but if you know they're gonna play creeping corrosion or something like that, you know, this is a card that you could bring into a cloud post deck or something like that. Mm-hmm. Sure. Alright, Dustin. Shield of the Avatar, the last airbender. Wow, you really did that, didn't you? Yeah. All right, so Shield of the
1: Avatar. <laughs> one colorless artifact equipment uh, has equip of two. If a source would deal damage to equipped creature, prevent X of that damage where X is the number of creatures you control. So, one, it's incredibly cheap to get out and equip, right? Mm-hmm. Two, I see this thing in a Bramaz deck. I mean, and it would just be ridiculous, right? Throw it on Bramaz, attack as much as you want, block as much as you want. You got tokens left and right protecting him. Sure. <sighs> you also got I launched how I fleet,
0: feel about man. This card. You also it got not say Like, he'll still. Uh, uh, am I going to be that guy that's going to be like, it just dies to Doomblade? <laughs>
1: yes, you're going right? to be that guy. And even so, if it does just die to Doomblade, you can just throw it on somebody else and there's already the tokens that were made
0: with Launch the Fleet or Burma sitting around, right? That's fair, right? Like, it, it, like I can see that kind of heroic or white weenie deck playing this card to mm-hmm. some extent. Um, Cameron, what are your thoughts, man? Uh, I'm I'm thinking of this in just, like,
2: a modern context with what <laughs> Anger of the Gods has done. And I don't know, maybe that's a lot to pay f- for it, but... Um, I don't know. Maybe there's that possibility if you have more than three creatures out,
0: where you can at least protect one of your heavy hitters. To so your analysis is, it's the worst mother of runes ever printed. (laughs) Indeed, (laughs) y'all are haters. You're absolutely right. Yeah, I think the best thing about this card is the artwork. Love me some Vulcan Baga. Just. (laughs) Last one that I want to talk about is, we'll call him Yisan, the Wanderer Bard. Um, he's a two and a green for a legendary creature human rogue. And uh, he for two and a green taps, you can put a verse counter on him, search your library for a creature card with converted mana cost equal to the number of verse counters on him, and put it onto the battlefield and shuffle your library. So, a really cool, interesting card because, you know, you, you get something out of that first activation Right? Right. Mm-hmm. So right off the bat, you're getting an Elvish Mystic. Right? And then you can kind of ramp up. So it's this interesting combination of um, Aether vial along with like, a, is it Elvish Piper? Right? Is that card? Right. That right. puts something into play in Birthing Pod. So here's a few hopes. Number one, this is a card that they can put into Modern and then ban Birthing Pod. So we don't have to look at that card anymore. <laughs> um, <laughs> but more importantly, I think, you know, it, it's feasible that this enables uh, uh, some combos or some interesting uh, creature interactions and toolboxes inside of standard, which is something we've kind of been missing. A lot of times you're just playing three or four of everything because there's no way to create a toolbox. There's no Greenson Zenith or or something like that. And so, you know, standard matches end up being really rote. So I'm hoping that this creates a little bit more diversity. Um, I don't know if he's good enough. but So the problem I see with this guy is
1: Unlike Aether Vial, you don't get a stop at a certain number of counters, right? Correct. Two, you never, you never can time it perfectly all the time, right? It's going to be one of those things where um, you get the third verse counter on there, and you search and search, and there's no more three drops in your deck. Like the last one's stuck in your hand or something, right? So for that
0: turn, he's basically pointless. Well, that that'll happen with Birthing Pod as well, man. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, that's a problem with any search thing. You know how many times Dryad Arbor's been in my hand like a jerk, (laughs) you know? Um, But, like, the the big issue is he might also just be too slow, right? Like, you're just like, hey, here's a three mana, two, three. Right. You know? So, presumably,
1: Um, the quickest he'd be doing anything might be turn three, right? Because you might get him out on turn two, activate him on turn three, and mm -hmm. just, yeah.
0: Yeah, and then you're activating him in place of... Uh, like playing be a courser yeah, right. or playing a Raid or exactly. playing a polygon. You yeah. know what I mean? So there there are a bunch of problems with this card, don't get me wrong, mm-hmm. uh, but I like the effect a lot. Right. So mm-hmm. there's potential, if that makes sense. Right. Okay. So let's talk about modern guys. Modern? What's that? Modern. So it's been brought to my attention that every time we talk about modern, we just talk about the ban list. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. And so I wanted to talk about modern a little bit, just to kind of get people prepared for the format. Well h- uh, how not about only is p-
1: it since, since you love this so much, let's talk about EDH decks, maybe only with modern
0: cards. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, Can we not do that? Let's do that EDH player thing where we just talk about our decks, be, like as the name of the general, <laughs> and that's it. Yeah, you know, I'm thinking about playing Yose this weekend. right? <laughs> right. Um, uh, anyway. No, but I wanted to create a primer in radio form because there's PTQs that are coming up. Cameron and I are going to plan a PTQ in August. Heck, yeah. And uh, there's also, you know, Star City Games is starting this modern thing, and we really didn't get a chance to kind of prepare the audience. So I want to set this up as an intermediate introduction to modern. Uh, If you're looking for really, really, really beginner stuff and kind of how these decks generally operate... Uh, i'll point you to our um our guy nate on twitter i think it's at great nate maybe or something like that he's on youtube yep. i'm That's butchering it. it but he's got great introduction introductory videos for modern and we're not going to get into the sideboard stuff right what we're going to do is just talk about this at a basic uh kind of mid-level to get you going to these tournaments right uh so cameron yeah what are you going to be playing at the PTQ? Let's get this set up first.
2: Well, it's I it's going to be blue red delver. And this is my big issue mm-hmm. is I just it's a great deck. There's a lot of fun things you can do with it. But man, it loses steam quickly. By turn mm-hmm. 5, it, it, if you don't have the Pyromancer combo going off or your your delver out, you're, you're you're gone it's never gonna go off
0: okay but that, that's what you feel like gives you the best chance is that yeah, or is that just the deck yeah. you happen to have um yeah that's a good question i guess
2: <laughs> um that's that is the deck that i just have the one that i feel like would give me the best chance okay. honestly the one that i want to play and i'm really kind of leaning towards that to sell merfolk is fairies blue black fairies
0: wow okay okay so dustin so ba- let's live in a world where you actually
1: play Magic the well, Gathering. Let's go back for a minute and just talk to Cameron about why he's not in this to win. Right? I feel like Blue-Black, is
2: it gives me a better chance to win. It seems like a fun deck. It has a lot of answers. Okay. That's the one I want to play. Okay. Yeah.
0: okay. Fair enough. Okay. So, Dustin, if you were to play Modern, what deck would you play? I'd play Affinity. If I had a gun to your head I'd, and I'd say, play Affinity straight up.
1: <laughs> thought
0: so. <laughs> it, it makes the so, most sense, uh, right? Right. And I'm going to be playing the same blue-white control deck. I'm going to make changes to the list. But what I did is I sent you guys a power rankings NFL football style of the actual decks that I think are tier one and tier two. Now, you know, I kind of got into a discussion uh, on Twitter about this. There are a ton of decks in modern, but there are about five that are realistic in terms of winning the tournament. Um, so tier one decks, and this is all based upon my personal analysis, has nothing to do with like I didn't go to MTG top eight and like look at their decks to beat or mm-hmm. whatever like that, right. right? Which is what Cameron does most of the time. <laughs> um, okay. So best deck in the format, I think right now, I think is Splinter Twin, followed by Affinity, Birthing Pod, Junda style decks, and then Ship. So I think those mm-hmm. five decks give you the best chance to win a modern tournament. Right. Um, so a few. let me just point out a few things. So Splinter Twin, I think, is the best deck because I think it has the most game post-board against just about anything. And I think the Rug Twin version is probably the best deck. Now, mm-hmm. astute listeners would point out, hey, isn't that the deck that beat you at the PTQ, Curtis? And the answer is yes.
2: <laughs> That's <laughs> so why you have respect it <laughs> for it. So clearly it's the best deck.
0: Now, I honestly do think it is the best deck. And I think if you're on the play, it's a very, very difficult deck to lose with. Okay, mm-hmm. so
1: speaking of Tarmogoyf, and I find this really odd. Um, Star City lowered the price of their Future site, Tarmogoyf near mints to 180, right? And mm-hmm. almost every vendor at GP Chicago had their SPs at 180 and near mints all the way up to 210. It, I've never seen Star City
0: be the lowest price it was weird. They probably just have a ton of them and are looking to get rid of them before they're reprinted again. I mean, that's just my guess. Maybe, maybe, but Tarmogoyf right now is actually seeing more play than he ever has in modern. If you can believe that. Right. Right. I mean, this has been like the absolute peak because you know, he's been added to splinter twin, which makes him, you know, which makes that deck really hard to play against. Cause if you try and sideboard all the way against splinter twin, you're just going to get your head kicked in by Tarmogoyf. Right. It's really obnoxious. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, Followed by affinity, you know, we've talked about this at length, but almost everybody's had this experience where they're like, I am going to side in Shatterstorm or Creeping Corrosion. I'm just going to own affinity, Right. right? Mm -hmm. and so it gets to turn four your moment in the sun you tap out creeping (laughs) corrosion and they go spring leaf drum tap a creature spell pierce and you're like
2: what (laughs) no (laughs) no
0: i've had that happen to me yeah (laughs) it's happened to everybody in affinity yes the sideboard options against it are very good but sometimes it's just way too fast now if you are like dustin (laughs) and you view magic tournaments as an opportunity to gamble affinity is the deck for you
1: and right. apparently it's odds are pretty good because it's constantly in the top 10
0: at big modern. Right. events. It it feels like it's, you're going to go two and six or eight and two with the finish, right. you know what <laughs> I mean? But it
1: flips, it flips on itself. It's like, Oh, you went eight, three, you get day two.
0: <laughs> right. Right. And so, uh, after that is birthing pot. I don't know that I need to say much about that. It's again, got a ton of game against just about everything, mm-hmm. uh, John and then scapeshift. So, any questions about that? You guys are good with that list? You think that's I'm okay accurate? Okay with that. I mean Has, the red green Scapeshift list seems a little
2: I don't know, iffy, but whatever. I'm just really
1: down on Scapeshift. I, I don't know. Has Scape Shift even been doing that much? Yes. Okay. One of GP.
0: Yeah, I I would say of this this group, I think Scapeshift is the one that requires the most practice okay whereas birthing pod you just have to know what creatures you can go and get right right you don't yeah. really need to know the matchups as specifically as you do with scapeshift especially the rug scapeshift which is very much a control deck mm-hmm. um there are kind of a lot of tricks to the trade and you have to do a lot of math and make sure you don't accidentally play too m- or sacrifice too many mountains, which can really blow up in your face right right all right tier two and i've kind of grouped a bunch of things together okay so the f- the next best deck that's not in tier 1 is Delver. Mhm. Okay. I grouped blue red Delver and blue white red Delver together. Okay? okay. Uh, then two is cryptic command control and that's me grouping blue white red, blue white, fairies and cruel control. So just knock right. out the rest of this list. Blue, Merfolk, blue, well, Tron, hang on. Storm. blue white and fairies being two different decks. You said it fast it sounded like one deck. Okay, I'm putting them in the same category. Right, right. Cryptic I'm just making sure people control don't decks. think
1: you're saying there's a blue white fairies deck.
0: Oh, yeah. My okay. bad. My bad. So, uh, just to knock the rest of them out. Merfolk, Tron, Storm, Living End, Ad Nauseam, White, Green-Based Aggro, Hexproof, and Token. So, that's my top mm-hmm. 15 decks. Right? I put a ton of work into this, and I just <clears throat> I just want to point this out. Knowing your deck in Modern is important, but it's not as important as knowing what your opponent's doing. Right. Okay? hmm If you really want to have success in Modern, you need to know what turn you're likely going to lose on. <laughs> <laughs> that makes perfect sense actually no you're right yeah i'm not joking especially if you're going to play one of the control variants you need to know you know within a reasonable doubt like what's going on with your opponent's right. deck and hand and when he's trying to kill you now if you sit down and cameron's across the table from you you know you've won <laughs> <laughs>
1: unless
0: uh, you're
2: eight unless you're eight right <laughs>
0: If you can, if you can legally get into a PG thirteen movie, it's a game, right? <laughs> uh, no, so because here's here's a few things to think about. Now, modern is so linear and so fast that usually, if your opponent's holding cards past turn four, you should be able to guess what those cards are. Okay, sure. Be- because nine times out of ten, it's either the card they can't play due to their mana. Or it's a card that you shut off through your sideboard, mm-hmm. i.e. like you play damp- Dampening Matrix and they have Splinter Twins in their hand, something like that, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but otherwise, in modern, you're almost always incentivized to play out your entire hand, right? Um, another thing to really think about is uh, your sideboard. The sideboard cards matter a lot. So you want to mulligan pretty aggressively in modern to get to uh, those yeah. cards. Um, okay, so last thing I want to mention with this is decks that I think are overrated and decks that I think are underrated, right? So overplay mm-hmm. decks, overrated decks. Number one, do not play this deck, <laughs> Tron. <laughs> right. I don't know how this happened where people thought Tron was a competitive deck. It's fun. It's cute. It's great at your Monday Night Modern. I get that. It is not going to be a field of affinity players and Splinter Twin players. It's just not. Okay. Okay? And that's why you threw it in Tier 2 instead of Tier 1. Yeah, and I, I mean, I barely, I really thought about putting Storm a- ahead of it, but I think it's just more consistent than Storm. Okay. Right. Okay. Uh, Living End, I think, is a deck that is overplayed because it's cheap. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, it's one that people are pretty aware of, and a lot of times they will have sideboard for. Um, sure. You can absolutely have success with it if you know what you're doing, but it's on the tougher end of the spectrum at this point uh lastly overplayed sorry cameron fairies
2: (laughs) (laughs) yeah okay interesting okay
0: i think it's the worst i think it's maybe one of the worst control decks in the format and i think Hmm. it's got a really bad matchup against birthing pod right
2: that's true yeah yeah that is true
0: and i don't know i mean it's probably great against affinity i'd have to play the splinter twin matchup but uh. so decks i would recommend well hang on here hang on on here so you said you were going to play delver right Cameron's going to
1: play Delver. Cameron's going to play Delver. Yeah, yeah I'll be playing Delver. Okay. So, it's still a Tier, a tier 2
0: deck. According to Curtis. Yeah,
1: According to Curtis.
0: Correct. I, I would put in that, too. Definitely. Okay. Yeah, and, and honestly, so decks that I would recommend, I actually would recommend Blue-Red Delver. Hmm. It is a tough deck to play. Your bad matchups are really bad. Like, Zoo is an awful, awful matchup. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, But I do think you have blue red Delver is weird in that. I think it's really good against all the tier one decks. And I think it sucks against a bunch of the tier two decks, right? So if you can manage, if you can manage to get to the top tables with blue red Delver, you're probably in pretty good shape. Good luck getting there. (laughs) Right. But if you get there, you're going to be fine. Hmm. Uh, obviously blue Eye control. I talked about that the other day, how much I like that deck. I think it can attack mana much better than the other control decks. And it's much more consistent. Uh, and the most underrated deck, I think, is Ad Nauseam. I think that deck is a lot, a lot better than people give it credit for. Right. And something worth trying. And if it's on the cheaper end of the spectrum. So you should look at getting into it if you're just looking for a modern deck. So there is my modern diatribe, gentlemen.
2: Love I didn't it.
0: mention the ban list once. Aren't you proud of me? Amazing. Yeah. <laughs> so the real question is, Cameron, did I change your mind? Because... No. No. I mean, I. <laughs> I'll be
2: playing Blue Red Delver for sure. Um, I'm still really intrigued by Blue Black Fairies. Um, I just wish it were, like you said, a better deck.
0: Yeah, I I would ask Dustin if I change his mind, but I know that's not possible. Yeah, not happening. <laughs> so you know, because we did all that and we're way over time, we're going to cut having Cameron become a spike. This
2: was an education in of itself. So, you know, I learned something.
0: <laughs> yeah. Send hate mail to at Curtis now. Right. That's me. Uh, send any hate mail regarding our sound quality to at Cameron underscore McCoy. Mm-hmm. It's true. I'll take yeah. everything else. Yeah. <laughs> and, and Dustin, if someone wants to, um, you know, find you on the internets. Right. How would they do so? Well, they could submit a
1: form, which needs to be notarized, right? And then they can resubmit the form and triplicate just to make sure. Uh, Give it to my secretary. She'll get it to me, and I will make sure
0: that I get back to them. Very, very, very nice. Uh, So you can catch up with our show on brainstormbrewery.com, mtgcast.com, and our own website, spikefeed.com. We'll check you guys next week.
2: We go in three, two, one, go. Go.
1: Go. Sorry.
2: <laughs>
1: we'll be good.
2: <laughs>